0: Hey, the kids did great. Thanks for getting them here week after week. Really appreciate that. You're doing a great job. So I have a confession to make that is uh, really probably foolish to tell you on this Sunday in particular, and that is that I've never been one to really believe in the Christmas spirit. So when people say, you know what we need around here, we need a little bit more Christmas. I've just got to be honest, I'm always like, I don't even know what that means, and I just don't even think it's real. (laughs) What does that even mean? Now I know you're not going to listen to me, anything else I'm going to say after I tell you that, but I do think some things at Christmas are real, like I think presents are real, I think family, getting together, is real. I think feasting is real. But to me, the Christmas spirit has always sounded, it's always sounded a little foamy. And I like solids. The text I'm going to read to you in just a minute is probably going to sound foamy to you too. You're going to hear it, And you're going to be like, dude, that's not even true. You're going to hear this text that I'm going to read, and you're probably going to disagree with it. You're going to hear this text I'm going to read, and you're going to say, that's why I'm not a Christian. I don't believe stuff like that. It just doesn't work in the real world. You're going to hear this text and go, that's for space cadets and people that live in the twilight zone. But here's the thing, we take adult Jesus very seriously, and that's why we take baby Jesus very seriously. Seems like sometimes we get more excited about baby Jesus than we do adult Jesus, but because we take adult Jesus so seriously, that's why we take baby Jesus seriously. So listen to these words from adult Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. This is in the middle of Jesus' longest teaching that we have on record from Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7. We're we're, uh, closing out Matthew chapter 5 in a series called Different because he just wanted his disciples to be different. And indeed, you're going to go, this is Twilight Zone different. This is Space Cadet different. And we're going to say, well, this is Jesus different. Here we go. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So what Jesus is doing is quoting the Old Testament, where indeed it says three times, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This was instruction given to the the people then on how the courts should run. And what it meant was the punishment should match the crime. Now see, this is a huge improvement and this is really beautiful and wonderful if you were a criminal in the ancient world because it meant if you got stealing, if you got caught stealing in, and the system obeyed this injunction from the Lord, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, it meant that they didn't cut your hand off for stealing. Maybe you had to spend a day working. But you got to keep your hand. Like there are some countries today maybe where if you get caught stealing, they take your hand off. That's not an eye for an eye. That's unequal. If you get caught from running away, the idea is not to cut your leg off. <laughs> you get to keep your leg. So, so the idea is, I think the big underlying principle that they had been abusing was God is a just judge And God will do justice, ideally through his courts, but here or heaven, God will do justice. So that's kind of the the big assumption underneath this idea, is that God is a God of justice, and for the courts, the punishment should fit the crime. Okay, But what they were doing was, say, an eye for an eye, like if they... If they poke my eye out, then I get to poke their eye out when I want to, how I want to, as soon as I can. And that's what Jesus is going to be against. So, this is why we read, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. So, then you're going to see four examples of ways that we're not supposed to resist the one who is evil. This, again, like I say, You're going to read this and you're going to go, this is Twilight Zone crazy. You're going to read this and you're going, this is only for space cadets. Real people can't do this. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone deeply insults you, like insults you, like backhands you on the mouth, That's a pretty violent insult. Jesus says, go ahead and turn the other cheek. Better to risk being insulted again than to become part of the cycle of violence and insults and risk becoming evil like them. Now, that doesn't mean that You shouldn't also take out a restraining order, but leave it in the hands of the courts. Don't take it upon yourself to seek out vengeance through violence. So the idea is there's a place for the courts. There's a place for God's justice, and he normally operates through the courts, through the police, through the army. That's officials of the state. There's a place for them throughout the teaching of the New Testament. There's a place for them but we are not to take matters into our own hands, so you do not hit them back in the moment. Because you're risking becoming evil like them. Okay? So, if someone hits you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. But if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. So, the tunic was like your undershirt, it was like it was a long garment that you wore real close to your body, and then your cloak was the thing that kept you warm at night. It, was, it went on the outside. And you could, indeed, steal people's tunics, or you could sue them and take their undershirt. You could take their, their inner layer, their base layer, if you will. But you could not, for keeps, take their outer cloak because it gets cold at night and people freeze. And what Jesus is saying is if they're going to sue you go ahead and give them your tunic and then hand them your clothes and then you'll be standing there naked shaming them. And I know you hear that and you go, no one can live like that. No one should do that. But Jesus is saying, better to shame them with your nakedness than get in this endless cycle of litigation. That's not to say that they're isn't a place to set up defenses ahead of time. Just take precautions, legal precautions ahead of time. What Jesus is saying is, don't get caught up in the cycle, the endless cycle of litigation. Do not do that. Where you become just like them, I'll sue you, you sue me, I'll sue you, you sue me, and you spend the rest of your life litigating in court. Do not do that. Jesus said, Jesus said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. So you might know that Roman soldiers, so, so think of like your early American history, like 13 colonies history, like how the British occupied the 13 colonies, the Americas. Remember that? And no? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I could make jokes about certain types of schools, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I guess I already did. (laughs) Some things you can't take back, you know? Like, (laughs) I should know better than to kind of look down here, shouldn't I? (laughs) Where was I? If someone interrupts you when you're talking, like, no. (laughs) And if you force, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. So you know that Roman soldiers could, like, They're the occupying force, kind of like the British during the 13 colonies of America. And so Rome was in Palestine, had a military force, and they could make you carry their stuff for a mile, but they could not make you carry their stuff any farther than that. And that was part of how the Roman army could move quickly, is they could make citizens carry their stuff for up to a mile if they wanted to. Okay, so so Jesus says if anyone forces you to go one mile, so you have to carry their stuff for a mile, smile at them and decide to go an extra one, because it's better for you to do the extra mile freely and joyfully than give into the cycle of resentment and hate of all authority. Better to go ahead and be joyful and free. And go the second mile, then just live with this boiling anger towards whoever happens to be in power at the time. Now, that's not to say that there isn't a time to uh, report abuses of power. The Apostle Paul does this. There's not a time to, I mean, that's not to say there isn't a time, like I say, to report abuses of power. But that is to say, do not take matters into your own hands. Okay, so finally Jesus says, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Man, that's tough. That's tough. You ever have someone borrow your bills and not give them back? That's tough. You ever have someone borrow money from you and not pay it back? That's frustrating. That's frustrating. I used to work downtown, and there'd be people asking for money all the time, everywhere I went in the city I worked in. And how, what are you supposed to do with this? Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Like, who can do that? I think what Jesus is saying is it's better to be open-handed and generous, better to be open-handed and generous than close-fisted and suspicious all the time and slam the door in people's face every time, all the time. That's not to say, I don't believe, that we should support everyone's habit by saying yes to exactly what they want every time they ask. I think I can show you that in Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, don't give what is sacred to swine. Don't cast your pearls before swine and don't give what is holy to dogs. Like, dogs back then were like raccoons are today. Like, don't feed the raccoons. They're not going to be satisfied and leave you alone after that. Don't feed the bears. Like, it's not safe to feed the bears. The bears don't go away. But that's not to say that there's nothing you can do for people who are asking you. It's like, you're going to say yes to something, you're going to give them something, but you're going to help them in a way that is congruent with Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 where Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So really truly help them. Don't just enable them to keep going with their habit. So if we're trying to gather all this together and say God is the judge, so what is Jesus telling us to do? If you could sum it up in one sentence, what would you say? I would put it like this. Jesus is saying, so do not, so he says, do not resist those who are evil. I think he's saying, do not fight evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. And I think, I think you can see this other places in the New Testament. So one of the guys that was there was Peter. and Peter would have heard Jesus give this talk several times. As Jesus is an itinerant speaker, and itinerant speakers, they sometimes do the same message in different ways, in different formats. And Peter would have heard this a couple times. And so he wrote to his church about Jesus. When Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. So Jesus is spit on, Jesus is called names, Jesus is falsely accused, and Jesus doesn't turn the table and start shouting obscenities at them. Jesus does not return evil for evil, but overcomes evil with evil. Good. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. This is what Jesus did. Instead, he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Saying, God will take care of this. God will make it right. I trust God who is the just judge. The Apostle Paul puts this the same way. With a little different language, he says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Do not take matters into your own hands. Because when you take matters into your own hands, you become like them. Do not become like them. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. You see, no one wants to talk about the wrath of God because they're embarrassed about it or they're afraid of it or for whatever reason... But the wrath of God is actually a belief that keeps us from violence because we don't have to be violent because we believe that God is just and He will even the score. Believing in the wrath of God keeps us from doing evil things because we believe God hates evil and He will avenge evil. So, leave it to the wrath of God. When you don't take revenge, you leave it in God's court and say, you're going to have to deal with that. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Don't get in the way of the Lord repaying it. So do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Because you believe that God is the just judge and God will repay. So here's what we've said so far. We said God is the just judge. So what that means for us is that we do not have to reciprocate evil for evil. We do not have to take matters into our own hands. We can leave it in God's hands and say, You are in charge. I trust you with the outcome. That's all, I'm That's all I can do, so it frees me up to do good. They might give us a smoking, stinking pile of evil, Hey, have you, ever, have you ever experienced a smoking, stinking, giant pile of evil being pushed at you? But in return, you are only going to give them good. Because you believe that God is the just judge. And he is keeping score. This, I think, is what the Apostle Paul is saying, that he will repay. So, so the reason we can do this is because we believe that God will repay, that he is the just judge, that he is keeping the books, and he sees what they took. Hey, what they take from you? You don't have to try to take something back because God sees He sees what they took. Well, we believe that God is keeping score. He's keeping score. He sees how they've cheated. Hey, how'd they cheat you? God sees. You don't have to cheat back and become a cheater yourself. God sees. He's keeping score. He'll even the score. Here, heaven. God is keeping track of right and wrong. He sees what they did wrong. This means you don't have to wrong them like they've wronged you. Because God is keeping score and he'll make all things right. You see how this frees you? to not also commit wrongs like they wronged you. It frees you to not cheat like they cheated you. It frees you to not steal from them like they stole from you. It frees you to do what is good, even while they're doing to you what is evil. Because after all, isn't there enough evil in the world? We don't have to make more of it by getting back at them. So do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. Because, number one, God will repay. God is the just judge, and he will take action here or heaven. Second reason, because you are different. So Jesus, looking at his disciples, says to them, you are the salt of the earth. And you are the light of the world. You are different from everyone else. So maybe, maybe everyone else, when they are deeply insulted, like you're smacked across and you're deeply insulted, maybe everyone else will harbor resentment and hate and bitterness in their heart and look for a passive-aggressive way to get back at them. Maybe everyone else will do that, but you're not going to do that. Because you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It's not Jesus different to not insult back, but secretly hope for a way to stab them in the back. That's not Jesus different. That's just like everyone else. You're going to return good for evil because you are Jesus different. When they sue you for your cloak, when they try to take what they shouldn't take, and they're when they are just like, gimme, 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 gimme. You're not going to do that back because that's what everyone else does. There's plenty of that in the world. You're not going to just secretly like, okay, I won't take stuff back, but I'm going to secretly spread rumors and gossip about them, kind of passive aggressively. You're not going to do that because that's, that's not Jesus different. That's just like the rest of the world. You're going to return good for evil. Because you're Jesus different. You're the light of the world. Jesus said, "When they make you go a mile with them, some of you probably work in places where they have dumb rules. You would never say that in church, but I just said it. They have rules that you like you would never make. They have red tape that is just like so ridiculous." They have so many hoops you have to jump through to get something done. And it's like they don't just make you do the necessary mile, they make you do more. And you're like, oh, this is so ridiculous. So instead of actually going through the proper channels, you just spread discontent. And you just spread anger. And I wish I wasn't here. And I hate this. And I don't want to be here, but I have to be here. How long until I can get a different job? That's just like everyone else. Don't do that. That's not Jesus different. Joyfully, freely, go the extra mile. This is doing what Jesus said and overcoming evil with good. This is hard stuff, isn't it? I mean if you really are thinking about where this meets you cuz maybe you're thinking about some of the evil that's been done to you and you're like dude this is so unrealistic you're thinking about the evil that's been done to people that you love and you're thinking how why would anyone even try this this is so not in touch with reality are you thinking that Here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that Jesus actually did this. He actually went first. He didn't just tell us to do something that was really hard. He went first. So think of what he said here. He said, Do not resist the one who is evil. And if someone hits you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. I mean, do you know that he did that when he was before the Sanhedrin, which is like the Jewish Supreme Court at the time? And they come down and he he declares who he is and it makes them so angry they start spitting on him and hitting him and trying to tear out his beard. Like Jesus actually did this. When Jesus is before the Roman soldiers and they put a crown of thorns on his head and they start beating him with reeds and they start striking him on the face. Like he actually did this. Jesus said If someone hits you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Jesus said, if someone takes your tunic, why don't you go ahead and give him your cloak? I mean, Jesus actually did this. Jesus hanging on the cross. What are the soldiers doing below him? Those of you that know the story. They're gambling for his clothes. He actually did it. Jesus said, if someone forces you to go one mile, why don't you joyfully go with them too? Well, I don't know if it was two miles, but Jesus carried his Roman cross until he collapsed. He actually did it. Jesus says, someone asks you, go ahead and give it to him. Someone wants to borrow from you, go ahead and loan it to him. Look, he knows what it is to be presumed upon. He knows. You know that he knows what it is to be presumed upon. So here's why we take adult Jesus so seriously. Because he actually did what he said we should do. He actually followed through with what he taught. And so when he is hanging on the cross, this is what he's doing. He is taking the punishment for the crimes that we have committed because God is a just judge. So because God is a just judge, God has to punish Sin And so when you and I sin, it's like a crime that we commit that the just judge must punish. He must, or he's not just. And so Jesus took the punishment for your sin and my sin on the cross. This is what Jesus was doing. This is why we take adult Jesus so seriously. Jesus... When he's dying on the cross, he's paying the debt, the sin debt that you and I could never pay. Sin is like a debt. I mean, you know this, when people disrespect you, when people steal from you, when people make you do things that you shouldn't have to do, you're like, this. they owed me better than this. They owed me generosity. They owed me respect. They owed me fairness. I mean, you know, sin is like a debt. And when Jesus is on the cross, he's paying the debt that we could never pay because The just judge must demand payment for him to be just. So Jesus is taking our place, taking the punishment for our sins and paying our debts. Offering himself for us. So if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, this is a real gift. I don't mean this, I mean, Jesus. It's a real gift. Like, Jesus really does offer you the forgiveness of sins because he died in your place. He really does. It's real, like the wind is real. Like, you can't see the wind, but you can sure feel the wind. You can see what the wind is doing. It's real. He came, he lived. He taught, He died in our place, and He rose again. And He offers you this gift of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life if you'll receive Him as Lord and Savior. And for those of you that are already followers of Jesus and you've received that gift, I invite you to give this gift of returning good for evil this Christmas. I don't know who you're going to be around this Christmas. I don't know what dynamics there are in your family. But in most families, there's an element of, I'm going to be kind to you even after you haven't been kind to me. I'm going to show you mercy even if you haven't shown it to me. I'm going to offer you Forgiveness, even if you're holding on to bitterness. I think this is what you want. I think you want to be Jesus different. I think you want to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Return good for evil because God is the just judge. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for how you paid our debt, and took the punishment for our crimes. And Lord, how you stood in our place. And Lord, I pray that you would help us live out this same grace and generosity to other people. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.